The following episode of Rotten or Righteous deals with some mature themes and is not suitable for children. The documentary we're discussing today may contain strong language and subject matter that the hosts of this show do not endorse or recommend. Listener discretion is advised. What are you, what are you, what are you typing? I'm, I'm sorry. I was holding, this is. Oh, why are you holding a crunkly piece of paper? I don't know. Scott, we've been doing this for two years. I'm agitated. I'm, I'm, I'm worked up right now. Well, do something quiet. Where's your family at? Well, when I brought home what Mr. Warren said is supposed to be my third wife, Kelsey uh-huh. got a little upset and ran away with the kids. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm looking forward to meeting your second wife. I'm not. Let me just say that you remember that scene from from Jurassic Park where the the Tyrannosaurus is coming up and they're looking down at the water. And every yeah. time the transverse takes a step, you can see the the ripples. It was kind of it was kind of like that when she came to the house yesterday. <laughs> I, I just oh, that's funny. All I'm saying, and I'm not saying she's a big girl, but I'm just saying my adopted son's name is Gilbert Grape. Gilbert Grape. Oh man! Him, by the way, his mom probably. Have you seen her? Yes. She's so big they had to burn the house down around her. <laughs> she was a beastly woman. Welcome back to Rotten Righteous, the only podcast that keeps bitter. With me today <laughs> is my first cousin and second wife, Scott Judge. <laughs> really? I gotta be your second wife? I'd, I'd rather not be that. Well, too bad. You know, I was gonna get married when I was 14, Zach, but no one would have me. Uh, yeah, I agree, and I'm Zach Geiler. Today we are continuing the uplifting and heartfelt saga of Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey, the Warren Jeff story. And uh, if you haven't listened to part one, you probably should go back and do that, because this won't make a lot of sense. Don't start on part two of anything. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Do you need help? That's right. Lay, lay the foundation. Yeah, you gotta go back... And you've got to suffer with us throughout the entirety of this. You can't just pick a little suffering. It won't make it won't it won't hit as hard if you don't have any connection with these people we're talking about. I am so mad at Scott today that I could spit. Scott, when I said, "Hey, let's keep doing the podcast," and you were like, "Oh, good, my life has meaning again." Yes, and I said, "I want to do true crime documentaries so that my wife will like my show." And then yes. you said, that's great. And I said, but the problem is, if we do a series, you can only watch one episode a week or one episode of recording session. And you were like, oh, don't worry about that, Zach. I gotcha. I am going to have the oh. resolve of uh, a block of steel. I'm going to stand one firm. Ep- one episode uh, uh, a, a recording. Yeah. I thought you meant one docuseries a day. Right. And then Scott's like, hey, guess what? I only watched the first episode. I'm great now. I got this. I've come over my terrible addiction where I watched the entire series in one sitting. Wrong. And then the next day, I was like, hey, my, par- my, my, my 
family's going to be out of town, you know, visiting some family and I'm going to have some time. Why don't we do two episodes this week, bust out two, get a little, get a little, uh, backlog created. And Scott's like, great idea. I'll watch the second episode. And then yesterday Scott calls me and goes, Zach, I'm sorry. I watched all of it. Finished it off. I didn't mean to. Uh, it's you know what? It's the Mormons. It's the more. There's been two times that I've done this, and both times it's involved the Mormons. Murder among the Mormons couldn't stop. Just I had I had to finish it. So Keep sweet. Is it the Mormons it. or is it the only two times that we've had a, a series where I said, "Hey, don't watch hey. further." Hey, listen. There's your way of looking at it, and there's my way of looking at it. I'm just saying, don't blame it on the Mormons. <laughs> I'm fully blaming them. I'm really angry with the Mormons, Zach. These aren't even Extremely. the Mormons. These more the these are the Mormons. The Mormons don't like. That's true, and I like I dislike them even more. It's the Mormons, Zach. The Mormons made me do it. Right. <clears throat> September two thousand and two. Zach is. 11 years old. Scott's 32. Wow, you're so old. I just realized something, Scott. If I was a girl, our relationship would be seem would seem really inappropriate. Why is that? Because everybody would look at you and go, there's a 20-year age difference between them two. What are they doing hanging out? Scott's an Don't old... Don't you have friendships with, with younger females or older females? Have you met my wife? No. Look... For those of you who can't see this, I'm really sorry. Zach's giving me the skunk eye. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm giving you the. I'm giving you the. Uh, we're doing this so Kelsey will listen to my podcast. You shut up, Scott. No, I don't have friends. I can say a hundred percent certainty that no, I am not friends with older females or younger females. Any female that I would consider a friend is also my wife's friend, and she is always in the room when we uh, uh, communicate. Wow. And I will die you on know, that hill. I've got like. Little old Mrs. Jones that's 94. I'm not talking about little old ladies, Scott. I am. Yes, I have. I'm friends with little old ladies. Pervert. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> and you thought we weren't going to find humor in this. <laughs> well, hey, our, our demeanor is going to change drastically here in just a, just a few moments. All right, September 2002. Let's keep the good times rolling. The immortal Rulon Jeffs is still mortally dead. Surprise, surprise. Rebecca Wall, one of Rulon's widows, essentially said, I don't want to say I'm glad the old pervert's dead, but uh, I'm glad the violating turd's in the ground. And she admits that when Rulon died, she was also scared because she didn't know what was going to come next for all of Rulon's wives. Keep in mind, this dude had 60 wives. So, and they were all these, the, the thing this documentary gets across that you need to understand, because I don't want you to be judgmental towards them, the women, is that, and, and, you know, some of the men, especially the younger men are pretty innocent as well, but Mm -hmm. they have been raised their entire lives. They have been raised in the FLDS church, the fundamentalist Latter-day Saints. They have been raised to believe that the prophet, whether that was Rulon or Warren, who came after him, was their ticket to God. I am a Christian. 
I'm a Christian minister, believe it or not. I know, shocking to some. But, you're a preacher? I believe that Jesus, of course, is the key to heaven, right? I believe that with all my heart. And so I follow Jesus' word explicitly. And I think that I've seen the evidence and, and, and looked at the apologetics and whatnot to, to come to that conclusion. But there are people, I am sure, in my congregation that believe in God simply because they were raised their entire lives mm-hmm. to believe in God. And so I yep. do not want you listeners to think these women are idiots. Their entire lives, they have been told by their parents, by people they trusted, that in order to get to heaven, you had to follow the prophet's guidance. And if that's all you've ever known from the time you could just begin to understand or be trained, then there is nothing else. Right. So, Roland's dead. His wives are scared. But Rebecca didn't have to worry. She didn't have to worry. All of her worrying was for not, because in walks in the, the selfless, kind Warren Jeffs. That's one way to describe him. Selfless... <laughs> kind Warren Jeffs. He just comes out and he's like, got, got girls, girls, listen, listen. <laughs> Don't you worry. Don't worry. I'll marry you. So, yeah, you heard me right. Uh, one of the first things that Warren Jeff does after Rulon Jeffs passes away is marry dozens of his stepmothers. Mm-hmm. Which didn't set well with some. Yeah, that was because a wake up. One guy said, "Who marries their mother?" Right. I just, I, I just that's what it took. Not this eighty-year-old man marrying nineteen-year-olds, yeah. but Warren Jeffs marrying his stepmother. Some of whom that was, was the, that was the straw. Some of whom he was older than. I'm older than my stepmother. I'm not, but Warren Jeff says. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's not. It's so disgusting. So, so let me let me just. Uh, uh, th- 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 this is. I don't want to say it's puzzlement, but uh, as Rebecca was talking, she said all the wives were gathered together, and then he come in and he said, seven of you were married to me last night." Right. Please step forward. And and she goes on to talk about you know days to follow the same thing, so and this is this is totally irrelevant. But in my mind, I'm wondering, was there was there seven actual ceremonies of marriage, or there was there just eight people involved in an orgy? No, I'm I don't think any orgies, Scott, uh, uh, take place in the FLDS. They're far too conservative for that. Mm. You can have 47 See. billion wives, but if this man's putting long underwear on all his women, I don't think he's going full-on orgy behind closed doors. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just it's not. Just, it's just, yeah. Have you ever well, looked at your just, wife and said, hey, you know you what I think, honey, I love you, but I want to see less of you. Could you put on some more clothes? I've never once said that to my wife. Not one time. <laughs> Ironically, she said that to me. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not saying that she hasn't said that to me. I can't even get out the shower without Kelsey's. I put your clothes on. Okay, so anyways, let's let's let's. No, I don't think Warren Jeffs have orgies. Not that that redeems him for anything. Just not that. Um. 
So Warren's you may like, change your mind before this docuseries is over. Great. So Warren marries his stepmoms, and people start waking up. Some people are like, "This is this Warren Jeffs. Something's a little off about him." Something. <laughs> I can't put my finger on it, but something doesn't seem right. But the majority of others brainwashed are so brainwashed to believe that everything Warren says comes directly from God. It's like, well, you know, if God wants him to marry his stepmoms, that's fine with me. That's when Warren just began changing things. Basically, fun became outlawed. They weren't allowed to play. And, and I didn't see a lot of fun pre-Warren Jeffs. I'll be honest, there's a lot of conga lines and musical chairs. Um, and a lot of parades, or what they called parades, really, it was just children walking in a line with one of them pulling a wagon. But uh, that fun, gone. No more fun. Uh, guns became illegal in the church, which, you know what? If you're going to be a, a, a terrible tyrant, smart move. Mm-hmm. Take the guns out. You don't want anybody to, to to assassinate you. Yeah, you know Myrna. Myrna is like, and that's when all the fun was going. And I, I hate Myrna. I I'm, I'm, I know I'm not supposed to hate people. Maybe we need to stop doing this podcast simply because I'm sinning. But I look at Myrna and I want to punch her in her stupid little face. I dislike her so much. She's like, "Oh, keep sweet. What a fun idea that was." And yeah. Oh, I tell you what, that that Warren Jeffs, he was such a handsome looker, but he took all the fun away. Oh, Myrna. Myrna. Myrna Wall. Myrna. Uh, and then, and then she went so to her crocheting. Did she crochet in episode two? I don't know. Maybe. Probably. See, this is exactly why, Zach. I need reprimanded. Again. I know. Uh, but most of the laws that Warren puts into place are directed, of course, towards women. Here's just some of the, the laws. Women are not allowed to wear denim anymore. They're not allowed to wear prints on their dresses. They can't wear the color red. They're told to wear full long johns all the time. They live in the desert of Utah, Scott. Mm -hmm. At night, I'm sure them long johns feel good. But during the day... They gotta wear them from their wrists to their ankles. And the the creepiest thing is, is Warren really likes an oval-faced girl, apparently. And how do I know that? Because Warren sends out a pamphlet that tells all the girls how to braid their heads. So, quote, they can, or their hair, so that uh, their faces can become a perfect oval. What a weirdo. What an absolute yeah. weirdo. The, the, the whole thing, the whole thing with the, the hairdo with the front. Uh, the hairdo with the front? What are you talking about? Yeah, how to do the hair in the front. Oh, no. Oh, that might have no. been in a different episode, Scott. I know. I know. Oh, I really don't like myself right now. I don't like you right now. You uh, know, I, I mean, just... And a, you're just a bad person. You're basically... War, you're the Warren Jeffs of this podcast. Oh, uh, stop. Now stop. <laughs> we may fight on that. <laughs> and of course... You know, I, when I was younger, I used to do bad things that I knew I shouldn't do, and then I felt bad about it afterward. I kind of feel that way now. Good. And of course, uh, these people went along with it because they believed Warren was their salvation. To disappoint him, to not follow his weird new laws, would mean they would miss out on heaven. As one member put it, I wasn't afraid of death, I was afraid of Warren. I would have rather died than disobeyed. So again, these people, I can't blame the people. Because... They're brainwashed. Their relationship to Warren 
is my relationship to Jesus, really. Mm-hmm. Enter mm-hmm. bounty hunter slash PI Sam Bauer. And Sam Bauer mm-hmm. looks exactly what you think a bounty hunter slash PI would look like. Were you surprised to see, see, you've got Bauer's desk, him behind the desk, and then right above his shoulder on the wall behind him is a picture of John Wayne. No. Did you expect that? No. But then again, John Wayne does not hold the same place in my heart that it holds in yours. Oh! Oh! See, that's how I knew that Mr. Bowers was a class act. I was born in 1991, Scott. When did John Wayne die? John John Wayne lives on in us all. No, John Wayne died with 400 pounds of undigested meat in his gut. He did not. He did. (laughs) He didn't. That's a He died of colon cancer. He did, but that doesn't mean... That's what you millennials... That'll be the day... Yeah, John Wayne died in 1979, Scott, a full 11 yeah. years before I was born. And you're like, I don't understand why these kids don't appreciate the Duke. You need to watch his movies. I don't. I've tried to. They're not good. Um, what? I don't like them. <laughs> I don't like him as an I've, actor. I don't I've like him. I've never been as upset at your younger than me ways than I have, than I am right now. I have a I, hey. Listen, I have a special place in my heart for Clint Eastwood. Can we just can we just come? Really, so you should. Can we just come to middle ground? Okay. That we can't. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So, anyways, Sam Bauer has a picture of John Wayne on his wall. So Scott is in love with him. He's going to make him his fourth wife. Uh, and uh, <laughs> would you stop saying that? It's the just... FLDS come on his radar when he saw that Warren Jeff. Now listen to this. Warren Jeffs was kicking little boys, like 13-year-old kids, out of the church and leaving them homeless and defenseless on the streets of Salt Lake City. Mm. As Sam explained, all the young women in the FLDS were being married off to older men in the church. So there was a surplus of boys that needed to be removed. That Now this is... Now look, I know I just told you not to blame everybody. But this is where I start going against the parents. Yeah. If some string bean of a turd of a human being, like that nerdy freak Warren Jeffs, came up to me and said, Oh, hey, yeah, <laughs> funny story. I'm going to need you to get rid of your sons. I would punch him in the face so hard that he would forget that he's the prophet. I'd punch him in the face so hard that I'd be like that... that uh, Somali pirate from Captain Phillips. When I'd, I'd look over him and go, "I'm the prophet now." But uh, I'm the pro- how 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 can you not? And this is what's hard for me to understand, Zach. How, as a parent at this point in time, can you not come to the realization or the thinking and say, "This has nothing to do with religion. This has nothing to do with God." I mean, it, it makes me think, and I, I just. What Bible knowledge did they have? It sounds to me like they had absolutely zero, and the only thing they got was whatever, uh, whatever the prophet or the prophet's daddy spoke. Well, and we did talk it. about and last that's all week they that one of the well, one of the things they did was remove all the outside sources of of information, all the books out oh, of the yeah, library. They're going, but seriously though, even I just I I have to believe in my heart of hearts that even if I don't have access to the Bible. 
that there's you would know that was wrong. The bond with your children would be greater than your love for Warren Jeffs. But yeah. whatever. That's why we need to get Elisa Walls on this show so we can talk to her about that one that would be one of the points exactly. Elisa Wall will never come on this show. If you're listening, Elisa, she's not. Help me help me win this bet. Scott, I will name my third-born child, boy or girl, Scott, if Elisa Walls come on the show. Okay. All right. I feel like we're stalling because we know terrible things are happening. Yes. So, Sam Sam started investigating the FLDS and, and Warren Jeffs, and what he discovered in Short Creek, the town where the FLDS was located, was a lawless town in the middle of Utah on the Arizona border. Warren and the FLDS was in control of the fire department and the police. And because the cops were under Warren's thumb, he controlled the law, or the law within Short Creek's borders. Not only that, but Warren owned every house in the town, meaning that he could kick people out at a moment's notice and move people in, which is important because of what mm-hmm. happens to Creepy Lloyd. Creepy Lloyd's back. You know, the, the, the father of Rebecca and Elise Wall the father who was just so tickled pink that creepy pervert 86-year-old Rulon Jeffs wanted to marry his pretty daughter, Rebecca. And he's like, listen, I, I just didn't like Warren. Yeah, I get the feeling that, that creepy Lloyd wanted to go back to the good old days, you know, when Rulon was just marrying his teenage daughters and giving them multiple mm-hmm. wives. I despise creepy Lloyd so much. Mm-hmm. And I do not feel bad that he lost everything. Because he gave Warren his engineering company and his houses. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't feel bad for him. I don't. This this documentary seems to want to like be like, look what he did to poor Lloyd. Poor Lloyd is gross. Poor Lloyd traded his daughters away for favors. Lloyd mm-hmm. Wall is a despicable human being. Period. Exclamation point. Disgusting sigh. But Warren was threatened by creepy Lloyd. So he started punishing him. Lloyd was stripped of his status in the church. His wife, Sharon, and the children he had with that wife were given to another man named Fred Jessup, uh, who was Warren's loyal bishop. Jessup, by the way, was an old, creepy man, too, who had over 20 wives. They even made, they even made Lloyd's children accept that Fred was now their dad, including... Rebecca, mm-hmm. and Elisa. Mm-hmm. Mm. And here's the kicker. Despite all of this, Fred, or, or excuse me, Lloyd decides that he's going to keep believing in the FLDS doctrine no matter what. Yeah. Scott, if somebody took my kids away, I would kill them. Mm-hmm. I would not be like, oh, I got to get on their good side so I can get my kids back. Oh, I do want to point out that the reason why uh, Lloyd didn't like Warren Jeffs and his policies is because Lo- Warren Jeffs came after his guns. Not, yeah. not, not, no, you can, you can take my teenage daughter. That's fine. Just keep your hands off my gun. Ugh. Creepy Lloyd. I do not like you. So because Warren made every member of the FLDS turn over their businesses to the church, he had a huge influx of cash. I'm talking millions of dollars a month. And not only that, but he also had unlimited free labor because the boys that he didn't kick out and leave homeless on the streets 
are forced to come and work for the businesses. Meaning that because they don't have to pay for labor, even more money's rolling in. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the girls are treated as if they're a commodity owned by the church to be traded by the men of the church. And then we meet the most rebellion Mormon biker chick that you ever did see. Ruby Jessup. <laughs> I like Ruby. I do too, but the way she's introduced, I do not like. I mean, they're like, look how hardcore this girl is. She's riding around a motorcycle. Ruby Jessup. Da-na-na. And then uh, the next thing, Ruby is getting a tattoo. And I'm like, come on. This is dumb. You're getting interviewed. She's a rebel. No, I don't. I understand that. I, under, I don't have a problem with tattoos. <laughs> no. I have tattoos. My point is, what? Okay, two, two scenarios happened here. When they're like, Ruby, we really want to interview you today. And she's like, oh, I have a tattoo appointment. So I guess you guys can come and interview me yeah. while I'm while getting a tattoo. While I'm laying on the table, go ahead and ask me questions. Or they were like, we need to find a way to show people that you're hardcore, Ruby. Why don't you get a tattoo? We'll pay for it as long as you let us film you and interview you. Either way is pretty dumb. <laughs> well, although one way she gets a free tattoo. But I digress. Now, Scott, maybe you know this because you watched ahead. Her name's Ruby Jessup. All right. We just mm-hmm. met Fred Jessup, the bishop. We do know that she was... Was she Fred Jessup's daughter or his wife? Or did she take the last name of her second cousin who she marries, who's also a Jessup? It's oh, a great question. I don't remember. Maybe Wikipedia can tell us. Okay, no. Ruby's stepfather is Fred Jessup. Okay. Anyways, Ruby. Ruby is the black sheep of the Jessup Bunch. Why? Because she liked boys. Oh. That's what made her the bad black sheep. She had a crush on boys. I know. On Joe, right? Oh, we're his getting name? there. She flirted with the other boys, passed some notes. There was one boy she liked more than all the others. Joe Roebuck. They were a modern Mormon Romeo and Juliet. Making late night phone calls to each other every night and falling deeper and deeper into puppy love. I mean, things got so serious that Ruby would climb a mountain that overlooked Joe's house and listened and danced to a bootleg ABBA CD while fantasizing about their life together. This is considered rebellious behavior, Scott. I know, isn't that stupid? Isn't that stupid? If a teenage Think girl, of the normalcy a, of th- this, of not what no, she now. Was hold doing. on a second. Hold on a second. The normalcy of listening to bootleg ABBA. No, that's not normal. Nobody, nobody voluntarily listens to ABBA unless you're a Mamma Mia fan. I love ABBA. Yeah, well, you would. Anyways, <laughs> generational gap here. But Ruby and Joe did had. You, did you used to daydream about who you were going to marry? No. I mean, when you were 14, did you? No. No. Nope. I mean, I used to think about what it would be like when I was married. Then I got married and realized that what I thought was totally wrong. But, I'm not going to have this know. discussion of the things I fantasized at 14. I'm not going to do it. No, no. We're moving right along, folks. Thank, thank you. Uh, <laughs> they... <laughs> you're an idiot. Ruby and Joe... Listen, listen. Hang on just a second. Not even your disclaimer at the beginning will will shut that down. Yeah. Anyways. Go ahead. I'm sorry. 
Ruby and Joe were conflicted because on one hand, they were in love with each other. They really liked each other. But on the other hand, they believed that they were going to hell because they liked each other. And they prayed every day that Warren would decide to marry Ruby to Joe. Because Warren was in charge of uh, assigning all the marriages. At 14, Ruby's world came crashing down around her. She was told that she was going to get married, but not to Joe. Elisa Wall was also married off at 14 to her first cousin, Alan Steed, whom she hated. Mm. It turns out that if you were a girl in the FLDS church, a young teenage girl, and you showed any signs of rebellion or going against the grain, you were quickly married off and impregnated, so that way you would be forced to stay in line. Ruby found out that she was going to marry her second cousin. The night after she found out that she was going to be married off, she called Joe, who was doing something in Salt Lake City. And he asked him to come back to Short Creek, pick her up, and the two of them could run away together. Joe ultimately refused to do so. And it is something that modern-day Joe is still kicking himself over. Mm -hmm. Joe explained that from the age of six, he was taught that if he disobeyed Warren, he would cease to exist after he died. Joe believed that with all his heart when Ruby called him that night. And that was the reason behind his decision to reject Ruby's offer. After a 14-year-old, again, 14-year-old, Ruby and Elisa found out who they were going to be married to. They were packed into a van and driven hours away from Salt Creek to Nevada, where the laws on underage marriage and statutory rape are a little more lax. At a cheap roadside lodge called the Hot Springs Motel, Ruby and Elisa, two little girls only 14 years old, were married, and Warren Jeffs officiated the ceremonies. And a sobbing and distraught Elisa married her first cousin. And when Ruby kissed her husband for the first time, she imagined that she was kissing Joe. And both Ruby and Elisa were given some advice for their marriages to be successful. Keep sweet. No matter what. My blood's boiling right now. Hey, guess what? It's time to time for a pick-me-up. And what better pick-me-up does this documentary offer than Mike Watkiss, investigative journalist. Holy cow, this guy. <laughs> this guy's a piece of work. I love this guy. This guy's my hero. All right, so, next thing we see so after let me, this. Let me ask, let me ask real quick. This is where the, the, wedding, the wedding for Elise, this is where... She said she couldn't say I do, right? And because the mom she was so came over. distraught. Yeah. Mom, mom came over and she was holding her hand and holding it so tight as if her life, mom's life, also depended upon what she was going to say. Yeah. If Elise didn't Elisa didn't go her name's Elisa. If Elisa didn't Elisa. go through the, the with the marriage 
there would be severe repercussions for basically Elisa's entire family. Mm-hmm. 14 years old. Yeah. It's pathetic. Anyways, can we go back to Mike Walkus now? Yeah, let's go. Let's go talk about him. All right. Do you need time to finish eating whatever you just put in your mouth? Because it makes you sound nah, like mushroom mouth from. It's your cough drop. Oh, okay, great. So it's going to last a while. I, just, I didn't want to share cough on this show. Oh, okay. Of course, I don't necessarily have to talk like this. Well, yeah, do what you got to do. <laughs> okay. Love you, Zach. We see an early 2000 news report from, I think it's Arizona 4 News or something like that. Uh, concerning the FLDS, a reporter is reporting that there's alleged, I'm going to say report about 15 times here, and I didn't mean that, Mike Watkiss is reporting that there are uh, reports of alleged underage polygamist marriages going on in Short Creek, Utah. Now, I want to just take a minute. Uh, Like I said, I love and respect Mike Watkiss. He's the hero of the story. But... In 2000, he is a well-groomed, fairly handsome reporter. He just looks like your average, everyday, on-the-street kind of reporter. Yeah. And then we hear him him off-screen. We don't don't see modern-day Mike yet, but we hear him saying in his older, gravelly voice, the FLDS consumed much of my reporting career. Then we are introduced to modern-day Mike Watkins. This man is so haggard looking. I mean, he Rough. is gone. Rough. He's got a mane of hair that rivals Samson's, but it just is just mangy looking. And what did the FLDS church do to him that caused him to look like this guy? Scott, I have seen 70-year-old homeless crack addicts on the street that look Looking more put together than Mike Watkins does in modern day. Yeah. What yeah. happened to this man in the past 20 years? It's only been 20 years. <laughs> it's brutal. It is just... Because you're right. 20 years ago, he was a handsome man. And now... now I'm telling you, he's, a, he's a, so homeless, hard to look at. a homeless meth addict would walk up to him on the street and go, Are you okay? <laughs> just... I just got this donation, but let me give it to you. No matter how he looks, like I said, Mike deserves a whole lot of credit for starting to Mm -hmm. shed the light on what Warren Jeffs was doing. Because he latched onto this story and refused to let go. I mean, he would drive to Short Creek. He would walk up, knock on Warren Jeffs' door, trying to get interviews with people, talking to people, and bombarding them on the street. He was just determined to figure out what is going on in the FLDS church and in Short Creek. And Watkins today doesn't beat around the bush as he tells us that, quote, I knew that to sustain a polygamous community on an industrial level, you have to have an almost Stalinistic social architecture in place to make it work. Well stated. You need to have a stock of young women that the prophet can dole out because the currency of the realm is a young bride. The man who can give the brides holds all the power because you don't go to heaven, sir, unless you have three wives and I'm the only one who can give them. So it's a pretty ironclad lock they have on these people's psyche. When the rubber meets the road, it's women or it's men controlling women and their sexuality. 
You can't sum up what's going on better than Mike Watkiss. Nope. You can't. And I loved how he approached all this because, as you said, he was showing up. He was showing up at Short Creek. He was going up people's cars and gas stations, knocking on doors, jumping on people's running boards. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) throwing himself, throwing himself in front of moving vehicles, interviewing them like he splattered like a bug on their windshield. He was Mm -hmm. jumping, jumping into chimneys, dressed as Santa Claus. He was pretty cool. He was popping out of pots of gold at the at the FLDS Leprechaun Parade. He was everywhere. And people just flat out lied to him. Oh, there's none of that going on here. What are you what are you what are you typing? I'm I'm sorry. I was holding this this. Oh why are you holding a crunkly piece of paper? I don't know. Scott, we've been doing this for two years. I'm agitated. I'm 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 worked up right now. Well, do something quiet. Rebecca Wall, then we're then we're back with Rebecca. Time to get sad again. We had a little Mike yeah. Mike Watkiss interjection, but now we get to go back and be sad. Rebecca Wall then tells us that eventually Warren decided that she needed to be married to someone new. Keep in mind, she was still suffering PTSD from her relationship with Rulon. She feared that all marriages would be nothing but non-consensual touching, all while being told to smile and keep sweet. She didn't want to go through with another marriage, but she was a beautiful woman. The epitome of what a good FLDS woman should be like. And so Warren implemented a plan to break her resolve and force her to enter into another arranged marriage. Ultimately, Warren said that she had one week, one week to be remarried. And when she begged Warren to stop, please, I don't want to go through with this again. He told her, quote, I will break you. I will train you to be a good wife. And Rebecca was stuck. She was terrified of having a new husband, but she knew that if she left, it would mean spiritual damnation until one night where she had the thought you know I could leave and Warren didn't come stomping down to her room see all these women and men and boys were trained to believe that Warren could read their thoughts Mm -hmm. that he had access to the channels of their minds but when Rebecca had the thought, I'm going to leave, and Warren didn't come marching down there and saying, I'm going to get you, she realized it was all bullcrap. Mm-hmm. And so Rebecca decided to call her brother, who had been kicked out of the church earlier, and her brother helped his sister get started in a new life outside of the FLDS. At 26 years old, Rebecca struggled to acclimate the world outside of the church. What was probably the worst part of it for her, though, was that she was branded an apostate of the FLDS, meaning that her family, her sisters, all the people that she knew her entire life were forbidden to have any contact with her. And more than anything, Rebecca felt guilty for leaving her sister, Elisa, behind. Meanwhile, Elisa was struggling to start a life with her first Cousin husband. First cousin husband. Which is exactly what it is. She was very Mm. vocal 
that she did not want to be touched by her husband. But it's a husband's right. And so, her, her husband raped her. Repeatedly. And the night that her husband first raped her was the night that she lost her virginity. And when she went to Warren for help, thinking there is no way that this is how it's supposed to be, Warren told Elisa to go home and submit to her husband. Keep sweet. And Elisa was left hurt and scared, trying to figure out how her marital situation was in line with God's will. Warren Jeffs and Roland Jeffs, I have zero doubt in my mind, are going to hell. But the saddest thing is, is that they have hurt the faith of so many other people mm -hmm. on their way to hell. Like Rebecca, Ruby escaped her marriage by calling her apostate brother to help her get out of the FLDS. Unlike Rebecca, who left when she was 26, when Ruby left, there was a very real fear that she would go to the authorities and report that she had been a child bride. So Warren enlisted the help of Joe Roebuck, Ruby's childhood crush, to go and bring back or bring Ruby back whatever it takes. Ruby was barely 15 when she ran. Ruby initially refused to go back when Joe found her. So Warren told Joe to tell her that if she came back, she could marry Joe. That's all she ever wanted. And so she agreed. But after getting back to Short Creek, Ruby didn't see Joe again for a long time. And present-day Joe feels terrible about this. He feels that he personally betrayed this girl that he really, really liked. And that's another thing that I cannot stand about Warren Jeffs is these people, these kids, were innocent. They were mm -hmm. manipulated. But they're the ones that are living with the guilt. Mm-hmm. And how, even with years of, of counseling, years of therapy, how can the guilt ever truly go away? Once Warren realized that Ruby was back with her original husband, Warren kicked Joe out of the church. By the time she was 24... Ruby had six children. She didn't get to choose or have a say in any one of them. But she's with them today, and she loves them with all her heart. Meanwhile, as, as Scott alluded to, she is deeply psychologically scarred. She's angry, most of all, at her mother for allowing her to get married at 14. Ruby cannot imagine giving her children away the way her mother gave her away. And guess what? We need another Mike Watkiss interjection to bring up the mood. Come on in, Mike. Ah, welcome, Mike. Glad you're back. When Mike realizes that the law isn't doing anything about the human rights violations and illegal child marriages in Short Creek, he decides to do something. Because he's Mike. Basically, he said, said that he's going to go and find victims that escaped the FLDS church, victims that went through child marriages, and put them in front of a camera. 
Mm-hmm. And that's when he finds his ace in the hole, Ruth Stubbs. I have never heard a more Mormon name, Scott, than Ruth Stubbs. Ruth Stubbs. But anyways, Ruth Stubbs was married to and impregnated by Rodney Holm, a 32-year-old Short Creek police officer. Next thing we see is a young Mike Watkiss chasing down Rodney on the street. He is booking it. Mike, I know Mike smokes probably a pack a day back in the early 2000s. He is out of breath when he catches up to Rodney, but he doesn't care. He's like, Rodney, Rodney, uh, can you want to tell me about your child bride? And Rodney's like, no, no comment. Uh, you married a no 16-year-old and impregnated her. Uh, we got to go. Anyways, <laughs> he doesn't get anything out of Rodney. But he puts the footage on the air anyways. The interview that he had with Ruth, him chasing down Rodney. And when he puts that footage on the air, the state finally becomes interested in prosecuting this pedophilic policeman. And he's brought to court and he's convicted. Now he's only given a slap on the wrist, but it was the the push. Beginning. It was, yeah. It was the push needed to get the ball rolling towards uh, stopping this whole thing. Because the conviction put the fear of God, probably for the first time, in Warren. Mm -hmm. If they can try and convict a cop, they can certainly try and convict some creepy, nerdy, Stalin wannabe preacher. So Warren flees Utah and buys a huge piece of property in Texas. Which, as Mike points out, turns out to be the worst career move of all time. Mm-hmm. Ah, Mike, leaving us on a good note. Hey, Scott, you know what I need? Uh, Prozac? <laughs> no, I'm already on Zoloft. I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I need a feel-good story. Yeah, we do need something, because this is horrible. But luckily, I found one for you. And as we do this, Zach, I don't even feel like we've got the words to properly express our disgust and angst over this disgusting situation. Are they arable? Yeah, my words are, I am disgusted and filled with angst. Thanks, man. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, here's, here's, here's something for you, Scott. I want you to look up the words, how the Army Corps of Engineers made us love their 2003 calendar. But don't read it when you get there. Just let me know. Look, the Army Corps of Engineers does great work. They they build dams. They work on some some projects that need to be worked on. But I got to be honest with you, Scott, if I'm going to get a calendar by the Army Corps of Engineers, I'm going to be bored out of my mind because all that's going to be is looking at dams. I don't care. I don't want 12 months of dams. So how do you make it entertaining? Well, the Army Corps of Engineers are not just geniuses when it comes to infrastructure. They're also geniuses when it comes to calendars. Because they said, we're going to make these dams entertaining. By photoshopping pictures of giant cats all over them. (laughs) I love it. That's right. The Army Corps of Engineers 2003 calendar. Which is free. You can download it as a PDF and print it for yourself for free. Is 12 pictures 
of projects that the Army Corps of Engineers are working on, but in the background, playing with the project in some way, is a giant kitty cat. Like, there's a little kitty cat silhouette on, a, on an oil rig reaching up to play with a crane. That's cute. Mm -hmm. Over here, there's a there's the D Detroit Jam, but what's that in the background? Oh, it's a little kitty cat just gnawing on it. Just having himself a little nom nom on that dam. Aw. Oh, what's over here? Looks like, uh, looks like it's a big gravel pit. Oh, it's in the, oh, oh it's a little kitty cat back there sleeping <laughs> on the gravel pit. Aw. I'm telling you, after this podcast, we know it didn't make your day any better, but go look that up. Go look up. Uh, go go buy the calendar, or print go, the calendar. Go look up how the Army Corps of Engineers made us love their 2003 calendar. They added giant cats, and it's free. Just Google that. You'll be taken to the Good News Network, and it'll cheer you up. I promise you. All right. That's the end of our show. Please, if you haven't already, follow us on uh, your your whatever podcatcher you're using. Give us some five stars. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, maybe you have a documentary you want us to cover, go ahead and send us an email at rottenorrighteous at gmail.com. But before we go, hey, Scott. Yeah, Zach. Do you know what the difference is between Mormons and Baptists? No, I don't. Baptists say hello to each other at the liquor store. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> uh, good night, everybody. <laughs> good night, everybody. <laughs>